we are live. Hello to all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals of audio podcast land, and welcome back to another episode of Knights of Pain Town, a City of Miss actual play podcast. I am your master of ceremonies, Mikey, and with me as always are my amazing group of players to bring this story to life. You can follow me on my personal social medias at Pop Culture Geek, or you can also find me at D&D Vibe Tribe Productions, where you can stay up to date on everything that we got going on. Of course, as always, I am not alone in this endeavor, so we're going to go around and introduce our players, and then we're going to jump straight into our story proper. So first and foremost, to give their little introductions tonight is going to be Wes. Hi, I'm Wesley. I play, uh, you know, Jack Mac McTeer, lovable psychopath, who, uh, if I have to introduce who my character is by now, you guys are starting at the wrong time. Go back to episode one. Do yourself a favor. Uh, I got no, no social media to plug anymore. It's all gone. But uh, I will 100% say plug the D&D Vibe Tribe social media. Go check it out. And there's other people to go, so I'm going to be quiet now. Thank you, thank you. All right, next person to give their introduction is going to be Echo. Um, I was slightly lost in a time warp for a second, people. Good thing I came back just in time. Um, yeah. Um, I play Corey O'Reilly here with the mythos of Old Father Dagda. Yeah, and you should know me by now. Listen to the first episode. Also, message from editorials. I will only be reading five star reviews. Uh, I pass it on. Uh, awesome. And of course, last but certainly not least is Josh. Guten Abend und hallo allerseits. Uh, it is I, Josh. Uh, you may also know me as MG Preacher from TikTok. Uh, you can also follow me, of course, here on the D&D Vibe Tribe, as well as you can also follow me on Instagram at MG MGPreacherMan. Uh, don't really have anything much on there at the moment, but I will be trying to uh, remedy that. But uh, for tonight, uh, I will be playing Friedrich Krupp, uh, Pain Town's uh, very own uh, police canine uh, wonder cop. And, uh, of course, being a canine officer, I also have my partner, uh, Cerberus. And if you couldn't tell by the name, my mythos is Cerberus, the three-headed guardian of the underworld. (laughs) Very nice. Uh, like I previously mentioned, without my players, this story would not be where it is today. And speaking of story, let us jump into tonight's episode proper with a quick recap. So last time on Knights of Paint Town, we actually got to see the first kind of downtime episodes where we got to take a look at the more personalized of our characters. We got to follow each of them uh, through their daily lives. We got a we we got into some pretty heavy stuff. We got a couple visits to the cemetery. We got a 
unpleasant flashback of one of our crew, which all culminated into the potluck at uh, Mrs. Yu, the proprietor of Mrs. Yu's flower shop, where uh, she, upon talking to our uh, cast of colorful characters, so to speak, she revealed herself to be uh, the rift of Parvati. Which is, if you don't know who that is, you should go take a look at it. It's very interesting stuff, but it will be here for too long. And after having that heart to art, we kind of just ended on that nice little note. So that is actually where we're going to pick up is still at the potluck. So at this point, it's starting to get a little later into the evening, eh, probably close around nine or ten o'clock at night. You guys, along with the rest of the adults at the potluck, are kind of just beginning to wind down, just enjoying each other's company. Uh, Corey, your daughters, as well as Officer Parker's brother, are kind of have fell asleep on the grass with Cerberus as their pillow. So Cerberus is also kind of asleep as well. And as you guys are kind of taking this all in, Mrs. Yu kind of comes out and she looks around at all of you and says, well, then I do believe that this has been another successful potluck, but I do believe I think it's time to get everyone home as she kind of looks over to the children. So Mrs. Yu turns to you three and kind of says, I meant what I said earlier. Should you need anything, you are more than welcome to ask for it. And I will do what I can to make sure that you three are taken care of so as long as I stand. And she kind of just smiles off at three of you. Now then, if you three would be so kind, I do require a little bit of help cleaning up. So uh, I hope that you won't mind sticking around a little bit to kind of put things in order. I hope that's okay. I do not mind at all. No worries. Definitely help out. Do we need to roll on that? <laughs> hmm. How mean do I want to be? I haven't rolled dice in weeks, so I am. I'll. I will voluntarily roll on it. <laughs> any, any excuse to do? Oh man, it has been a couple of weeks. What have I done to you? I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> hmm. You know what? Let's just let just because it's going to be fun. Let us roll for it. Um, let me see. Which one do I want? You know what? I'm just going to do it. I was just like, let's just roll a straight 2d6 and see what happens of how well you guys clean up. Just for fun, I'm going to give myself a minus of animalistic habits. <laughs> I'm like, what is I'm like, what is back? A raccoon he's going to eat for the trash. <laughs> Don't judge me. You don't know me. I didn't say I was judging. <laughs> uh, six. Damn, we're off to a great start. <laughs> All right, so that is a six. Uh, let's see. Friedrich, what did you end up getting? Uh, a six as well. Jeez Louise, you guys, we're not off to a great start, which last but certainly not least leaves you uh, Corey, what did you end up getting for how well you clean? <laughs> oh, no. 
Sorry, my dice, my dice decided to hide from me. I know it's been a, it's it's been a hot couple of weeks. <laughs> I just did a recording like five days ago, so I should not be this scrambled. It's fine. Don't worry about it. That's eleven. Damn. All right. Let's see. So here's the old man's we... got you young and beat. Oh my goodness. All right. So then this is how it goes. So, Corey, obviously, you don't really have much of a problem. In fact, of the three of you, you have been to more of Mrs. Yu's uh, potluck. So you already know the drill where as soon as it everybody's invited to eat, but everyone's also got to clean up and pack any extra food they're going to take home with them. So you're easily able to kind of just tear down the table, put stuff away. Uh, Friedrich and Mac, you two also end up helping, but you can't help but be a little sidetracked by the leftover food. So it's like one of those moments where you are like, eating and working at the same time, but you're mostly just eating what's left over or little scraps that people have left behind in Mac's case. So uh, it takes a little bit, but all three of you end up as, as well as with Officer Dawes, Quinn and the good old chief are able to kind of get everything put away. So I should use a power tag, uh, tear them to pieces because I'm tearing into food as I clean up. <laughs> Hmm, that is an excellent question. I feel like tear them to pieces is more for like living targets, but technically food was once a living target. Eh, we'll never know. <laughs> that would have been a seven though, son of a bitch. <laughs> oh my goodness, I have missed this so much. This is so I mean, much I fun. think this but is I my first potluck, so. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, Mac has been to a few. Corey has been to a lot. And then Friedrich. Yeah, actually, this would be your first one since you're the new kid in town. So to speak, the boys are back in town. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Anywho's. So it does take a little bit longer, but you guys do end up managing helping Mrs. Yu clean up everything, pack the food and then also take down the light fixtures. As you guys are finishing up on your last uh, kind of bit of cleanup. Coming from the streets, you guys all of a sudden hear what sounds to be the roaring of. Speedy of you hear the roaring of an engine kind of going down the street. And at this point, Mrs. Yu's gate in the backyard is open. And for a brief moment, the three of you just see a flash of kind of like a cobalt blue kind of car just continuously speeding down the road. And as it moves out of view from the front gate, you can just hear it continue to speed up and up from the distance until you hear a loud crunching crash coming from a few blocks down from where you guys are currently at. And in addition to the car crashing, you hear the perpetual screams of people and just 
what seems to be the start of some other chaos. <laughs> now, now, right after. Friedrich, I believe this is your work, correct? You don't need me. Mac takes off toward the sound. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, considering my line of work, I holler for Cerberus, and me and him, we just start booking it down the road. Say, so I know it's not quite line of work, but like construction, work incidents, accidents, it's always, you know, like uh, top of mind. So he's just gone. He's up toward the sound. Uh, I'm, I'm following them. Okay. So the three of you end up following the sound. And so. Once again, it's only a couple blocks away from where you guys were with Mrs. Yu. So as you approach the scene, you see that there is steam rolling up from the engine of what seems to be a crash sports car. And as you are taking an initial intake of the scene, you also are hit with a very acritic smell of what seems to be burnt tires filling your lungs as you take a breath through your mouth and your nose. Uh, and I put my sh- I put my shirt over my mouth and nose. Just, okay. Just to filter out the spells a little bit better. For sure. So as you are take- still looking at the sports car, you notice that the car lights are flashing in tandem with a restaurant's neon side that's on the side of the building where this car crash has had while also being drowned in a cacophony of alarms from nearby cars that the sports car has managed to hit along the way before reaching its final destination. As you glance a little bit above the crash site, you notice that you guys are currently on the corner of Pine Street and Fifth Street as they are flickering in and out based on the impact of the sports car just wrecking everything in sight. So, uh, that's what you initially see. So, do you wish to take a closer look? Yes. Um, yes, I believe Corey O'Reilly has changed the cane into a crowbar to get ready to peel that door off. Cool. All right. Okay. And uh, is there like any pedestrians nearby? Like, did anybody like start trying to like walk up to the vehicles, see what, uh, see what happened? So at this point, because it's you guys came about eh, a couple minutes after the crash, you heard the crash happen. Uh, there are pedestrians kind of like around the vehicle, but not anywhere within like. It's kind of like the bystander. They're effect. not There's dangerously no... close. Yeah, they're not dangerously close. And as the three of you are getting ready to move closer, uh, coming from behind, Friedrich, you feel somebody kind of just put their hand on your shoulder. I immediately turn around and I throw my hand underneath my jacket because I'm also, I'm still carrying my duty pistol, even though I'm off duty. Mm-hmm. So as you turn around in quick succession, you see that it is Officer Parker and he's just like, whoa, 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 easy. Sorry, didn't mean to startle you, but uh, 
before you do anything is like, go ahead. Let me just make sure I secure the perimeter, get the bystanders away, and then you guys can investigate. And he kind of just pulls you in a little bit closer for you to says, remember, we still have to follow a chain of command here, so be very careful. I don't. <laughs> Ditto. And he kind of looks over at you, Corey, is like, is like, remember, Corey, we go way back and I owe you a lot. However, there is still a job I have to do. And if you impede the job of the police force, as much as I am grateful and I consider you a family friend, don't push your luck. Because if you get in my way, there are consequences to everything. There, there is. Right now, you guys secure the perimeter. I'm going I'm going to make sure that the person in that car doesn't die if there is one. Yeah, I was going to say, Max already at the car looking in the window because, you know, car crash. Okay. So as Officer Parker is securing the perimeter and kind of getting pedestrians to be around the perimeter, you three end up going closer to the car. So, Mac, you said you're going to go. So, Mac, as you get closer to the car, you notice that the windshield of the actual sports car has been completely smashed into what seems to be a million glass pieces all over the place. Though there is a bit of glass, broken glass, kind of like hanging on the fringes of the actual windshield, looking to still desperately hold onto the frame. And (laughs) as you take a closer look at this windshield, you notice that even though everything is broken and cracked all over the place, you are just, I don't think horrified would be the correct term, but there is an uneasiness as you notice that everything behind said uh, windshield is nothing but a big red round bloodstain kind of splattered over the majority of this broken windshield and on the glass pieces. So inside you see a slumped over figure over the wheel with blood coming from their head, just lifeless and just still. Um, How are they looking on them? So as you go to check on them, so are you so what specifically are you doing to check on them? Are you trying to open the door? Are you talking to the person? I'm trying to like, are they slumped over unconscious? They're yeah, they're bleeding from their head and they're just kind of slumped over over the steering wheel, not moving. All right. uh, Do you want me to burst the door open with the crowbar? No, say either you burst it open. I'm going to. I'm going to tell you to hold on a second. Is the the window on the side, like the, the driver's side window, is it is it there? Or is this shattered uh, out? I will say that it is uh, still there. Okay. Um. Then I'll tell you, instead of bust the door open, uh, bust through the windshield, the window, so we can try to get them, if they're slumped over, like, secure against the seat, then we'll work on opening the door. Okay. Um, while they're doing that, uh, I'm calling for a fire rescue. Just double checking in case Officer Parker didn't call them yet or not. 
Okay. Oh. So that's what you're doing. And I will say, Friedrich, at this time, too, you as you're kind of helping Officer Parker get the scene all in order and making sure and calling the proper help, you notice that kind of on the sidewalk, but a little bit down, you see Officer Dawes and Quinn and kind of just give you a nonverbal kind of nod as they approach. And from behind them, you see the chief kind of just um, still there with him and Mrs. Yu kind of just looking up the block from her backyard of seeing what happens. And the chief kind of just kind of you see him Friedrich down the block kind of just pull out his phone, text something, puts it back. And shortly enough, you feel a vibration in your pocket of your cell phone. Okay, then I guess I'll look to see uh, see what that was. Okay, so you open your phone and it is a text message from the chief and the chief just says, go, he says, you five go ahead and take care of this. Uh, tell Corey that me and Mrs. You will take the kids inside and keep them there until things have kind of settled down. All right, for time's sake, I'm just going to say uh, I go ahead and I relay that to Corey. Okay. Corey's looking to change the scrubber back into the bat. Okay. As <laughs> he just smashes the window. Okay. So, go. Corey, you sm- I uh-huh. I would l- I'd like to roll for this to make sure I don't hurt the passenger inside as well. Oh, for sure. I was going to make you roll for it anyways. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, question, Mikey. Uh, did you say that it slammed into another vehicle, or was it just the one vehicle? It, I, I think it, I, I think it skidded as the like a rocket hit one vehicle, hit another one. No major damage until it hit the side. Mm-hmm. That's where like the major blow is. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Okay, I'm sorry. The connection's a little spotty, so I just wanted to make sure. No, you're totally fine. It got, it got, it got pinballed. Is it a man or a woman driving? Real quick. So yeah, I'm gonna get to that. So Echo, go ahead and roll your dice. In the meantime, Mac, uh, it is a male driver. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so super strength, shape change, and let's get dangerous. I don't believe I can use any other power tags here. Uh... I don't believe Way of the Traitor Veteran would work here, would they? No, not necessarily. And then I then I'm gonna give myself the weakness tag of it's still heavy. So I got plus two. That is a ten. Okay, so that is definitely a big success. So with the crowbar, well, with the now transformed crowbar, you're able to kind of s- <laughs> back into the bat. So you're able to kind of swing bat about it and smash the window open. And so you're able to get that window open, which will allow Mac to uh, Mac. So 
what would you so now that the window's open you get a better picture that you felt that it was a male driver but upon seeing everything at a closer look it doesn't deeds a male driver in the car so what would you like to do with that mac now that the window is opened all right check for pulse first things first so we'll check to see if there's a pulse there okay so as you check for post a pulse i swear i can speak today um you check the normal vitals there's nothing 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 okay no pulse no respiration no nothing nope just still lifeless no pulse Okay. No breathing. All right. So in that case, uh, he's wearing a like flannel shirt over top of everything. He takes it off, lays it over top of the head, like the head of it, and turns around, and goes, uh, "There's, there's nothing there. They're, they're gone. They're gone." Uh, can we use a defibrillator or something? By the way, we don't know how long he's dead, so we might do nothing actually. And to be, uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't normally carry one of those around in my person, and there's no ambulance here yet, so there's, you know, not much we can do there. Um, when Max says that, uh, of course, in my profession, we gotta try everything, we gotta try everything. So I wanna carefully pull the Vic out of the vehicle, and I just immediately just start doing compressions. Uh, I would like I would like to see if I could just open the door just to make this process easier. Just, well, just I, like from, because I broke the window, I'm going to open it from the other side. Yeah, so here's well, here here's how we'll narratively do this, because Friedrich is going to start compressions. I'll say that before that. Corey, because you're able to kind of just open the door, which allows Friedrich to grab the body and then start doing compression. So let's jump back to Friedrich. So Friedrich, I thought they already had the door open. So sorry. Oh, oh <laughs> no, no. it's all we, totally all we okay. was break a window. I was leaning in the car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's all good. Don't worry about it, guys. But yeah, so Friedrich, you take the driver out of the driver's seat and kind of lay him down and start doing compressions. Yeah, you keep going for about two minutes, alternating between chest compressions and then breaths, but to no avail. No matter how hard you try, still no life. And while you are not a medical professional, you have been in this line of work for quite some time to know that probably the best to call for time of death and you realize that this person's gone yeah i uh, i immediately look at my my watch to see what time it was and whenever paramedics show up i tell them uh, I, I just relay what what happened and i will uh, place the flannel back over top of the uh the face because you know he's laying on it's laying on his back so as as those two those two are doing that I'm gonna I'm gonna start looking at which cars were hit and how, and like the logical path of how the car would have hit hit that after hitting these cars. 
Also, random question. There's no one else in the car, right? No, nobody else is in the car. It was just him. All right. Yeah, Uh, so go ahead. uh, I was going to say, when paramedics arrive, I uh, I let them know that the the victim was uh, dead at the uh, deceased at the scene. And so we can get a record of who it was. Uh, I look for a, for a wallet or some sort of ID on the, on the person. Okay. So, okay. So here's how we'll do it because we have Corey who wants to investigate the path of the car. And then we have you Friedrich who is going to be investigating some stuff. So for both of you, I would like you to both roll me. Let's see. Yeah, well, yeah, roll me and investigate. So we'll start with so both of you roll. Uh, You don't have to tell me what tags you are. Well, no, I trust that, you know, if you're going to use tags, you could tell me. But we'll start with you, Corey, and then we'll go to you, Friedrich. So both of you can just roll. I'm going to take way of the trade because my guess this is criminal violence because of how the car got here. That that is Corey's guess, and I'm gonna also add veteran to it because he's been in these type of situations before. Look, not necessarily on this end of it, but he's seen these type of things before. Okay, I got twelve. Okay, so that is definitely the. That is a dynamite success. So I'll get to you. I I wish I had a dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'll get to you in a sec. So uh, Friedrich, what did you end up getting? So actually, what tags are you using? Okay, I'm using seen it before. Um, I don't really. Um. Map-wise, is this technically in my precinct, or are we in a different precinct? Hmm. I would say yes. Okay. In that case, uh, I also want to use the the tag uh, precinct. So, I guess in order, I can say, so it'd be easier to get, like, any records from police archives or uh, hospital archives. And I'm also going to use the weakness tag uh, stress. Okay. So here's what I'll say is the archive bit can come uh, a bit later because you specifically wanted to just check to see if there's an ID or something there. So uh, if you want to do something with the archives, I'll make you roll that separately later, but we'll just focus on the immediate investigation to see if you can find an ID or something like that. Okay. Cause I'm sorry, just the, uh, where my mindset was, I, uh, did you say that, uh, Quinn and, uh, Doss was there with us? Yeah, that they're, uh, that they're walking up towards you guys. So you, it's going to be you three. Quinn and Dawes and then Officer Parker is there kind of just being the kind of people person, so to speak. Ramirez is most likely helping Parker right now. (laughs) So Parker is being the nothing to see here guy. 
<laughs> yeah. <pretty laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Because <laughs> I, right. I, I was just thinking, uh, since Qu- uh, Quinn was in the vicinity with us, he can get on like his little uh, PDA or whatever and see if, and see if there was anything. But if you want that to be later, that that's fine. Well, so, I'm anyways, just saying. Because when you when you gave me the initial for all, you wanted to see if you could find a wallet or some sort of identification. So that role will count for this. If you want to find additional information, you're going to have to roll separately. I'm not going to make this easy. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But okay. anyways, so that would be two tags then. Uh, seen it before and stressed, right? Mm-hmm. So technically those cancel out. <laughs> yeah. So now it's just uh, a straight... D6. All right, then that would be a nine. Okay, that is a success. Okay, so we'll, I'll come back to you, Friedrich. We're going to start with Corey. So, Corey, with that 12, as you take a look at the initial surrounding of the crime scene or that we think of it is so far, and you begin to kind of trace the path of the car you notice that for the majority leading into the impact, the car was actually staying relatively in control and on the main way. But you start to notice that the tire tracks begin to kind of like weave at an angle where the car kept going until it hit the nearby cars parked along the street before ultimately stopping into crashing into the giant streetlight itself. So as you take a look, it seems that this car was in control before it ultimately veered off and played pinball with the cars before coming to the stop at the street light that it is currently crashed into. And based on that assumption, you make the hypothesis that it seemed that the driver was in control of the vehicle until they weren't anymore for some odd reason. So I, I- Mm-hmm. I hold on to this information as I walk back to the group. Okay. So now jumping to you, Friedrich, with that, you begin to investigate the body. So you slowly lift up Max flannel that's kind of covering it. And as you are investigating the body, you search around a little bit and you takes a little bit just kind of getting the facial features so upon lifting max shirt you realize that this is the first time you're able to kind of see the face so while the majority of the blood is coming from the skull itself the face is cut up a little bit but is still intact you see that this is a young uh uh filipino uh male uh looks to be fairly young looks to be in his 20s and 30s and as you are rummaging well not rummaging as you're investigating uh his body from his uh coat pocket on the inside you pull out his wallet and as you open it up you find a driver's license with a picture matching the deceased on the ground and this uh driver's license and wallet belongs to a one Mr. David uh Guyen. So that is David and then last name is because the N is silent, it's N G U Y E N Guyen. All right. Uh can you go ahead and uh send that to me in a message so I can uh get that wrote down? So we can sure. keep 
going on with the tour and not not waiting for me. For sure. I'm going to put it in your notebook. Gotcha. Thank you. Well, I can tell you what what didn't happen here. Sadly, we do not have any tampering with the vehicle, so that rules out most types of killings done by families, as I would say. But... Uh, still weird coincidence. Then Smack has a uh, like heightened senses and stuff. Um, does he smell alcohol at all? Oh, very interesting. Okay, I'm gonna have. So here's what I'm gonna do. So Mac, you're gonna roll me and investigate as well, but I'm gonna give you. I'm going to kind of bend the rules a little bit. I'm going to give you a plus two to your role automatically because now you're thinking like an investigator. <laughs> All right. I was going to say like, uh, oh, oh, so uh, I was going to say what the plus I was going to use. Mm-hmm. Also, also, I was going to say, if you're going to get you, you, you would also get a plus one for me with that information. Like, oh, yes. ordinary. So that would jump you up to a plus three automatically. And that barrel instincts for, you know, getting down and smelling close would be a yep. plus for you. Yep. Let's see what we do. All right, I'm okay with that. Um, nom, 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 nom. Ten. Okay. That is exactly what you needed because this next part's going to be very important. Okay, so Mac, as you kind of tap into your uh, feral instincts granted to you by Sarah Nunos, just for the flavor of it, I'll say that as you kind of tap into it, your eyes change color a little bit. And as you kind of sniff around a little bit, you smell two different scents. One coming from the deceased's face and another one, for the sake of it, is coming from his hands as well. And... With that 10, as I'm assuming you're going to get closer to the body. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty close. Okay. So with that 10, I will say as you get closer, you first investigate his hand. And as you kind of smell it, you smell the faint scent of what seems to be powder. Powder that normally comes from gunshot residue. Okay. Okay, that sulfury smell. Mm-hmm. And then, as you investigate the face, you notice that there is a small kind of what seems to be a citrusy smell coming from uh, the deceased's lips. And you notice that there, his lips seem to be a shade of what seemed to be a kind of dark green. With okay. a hint of what smells like perfume, specifically a woman's perfume. Okay. So, all right. So, I turn around and I'm like, how do I put this? Like, I bring up to Friedrich because, you know, police swap part of it is like, uh, I smell, <clears throat> I smell the gunpowder on his hands. Uh, there's a distinct smell of 
it's sulfury, gunpowdery. I don't, I don't quite understand it. And I turn around, and look at Corey, and go, and he smells like perfume. I don't know why I felt like telling you, but I'm telling you anyway. Smells like perfume. Uh, what, what type? If you don't mind me asking. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> smells. Look cause for him. I, I, I don't know. Hey, I, I hey. will say that. To be a little more specific, the perfume is more of kind of like it smells like if you were to take. Like it smells very tropical and very breezy is the best way I can describe it, but uh, it's very light in the sense it's not like a heavy perfume where you would sneeze upon smelling it. It's like very light. It's is it like that smell that you would have like when you're. You've left being with someone who was wearing perfume and you got some on you kind of smell from being close to them. Yes. And I turn around, look at Corey again and go, and it seems as if he had himself a lady friend right before, uh, or a lady of some sorts before uh, the unfortunate circumstances that we are now looking at. Well, here's, here's a question Did he shoot the gun? But did someone else shoot the gun and he was fighting back and got the powder on him? If his name was Han, I'd say he shot first, but his name's not Han, so I don't know. I love you for that. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's great. But that still doesn't explain why the crash. Maybe he... F- for normal people speak, he fell asleep at the re- at the wheel. Because uh, but if he fell asleep at the wheel, there wouldn't be any skid marks because he would have went straight in. Skid marks imply that he had time to put his feet on the brakes. Don't ask me how I know these things. I said for normal people. I never said riffs. Friedrich, you had a question for the Master of Ceremonies? <laughs> yes. Um, while, they're, uh, while they're all talking, of course, I was also listening. Uh, now, would I be able to ask Quinn to run that name? Definitely. Oh, well, that's so, okay. Uh, Alright, so we'll say that Quinn pulls out his little laptop and begins searching. And so that's going to take some time. So, Corey, you were about to say something. So what I mean by. Put to sleep in normal people terms, I mean, cuckoo, crazy powers, control man. In rift terms. I believe that to be the uh, clinical term of cuckoo, crazy powers, but. uh, I mean, like. You're saying like he fell he fell asleep and then woke up and then slammed on the brakes or did he he put it sleep I Let me put it this way. Thank you. You're you're driving the car, you're going straight. You should be fine. But let's say someone slightly you don't feel yourself, you turn the wheel. What what would you immediately do if and you can't change back. It's too late to change back. You slam on the brakes. Boing, boing, boing! Kaboom. 
Bingo, bango, boingo, yeah? Yep. But if someone did do this, like with magical powers of controlling, they they got very lucky at what time they did it. Can we go back to where the uh, there are skid marks, yeah? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I, like I and I show the whole path which I went, like to show the whole thing which I saw. Is there any way to like? Look around where the skid marks start to see if there's a. We could find anything that would have caused the skidding. Well, so. So here's what I'll say. So I won't make you roll for it because of this information, because of the 12 from Corey and his role from earlier and kind of gain that information. As both of you kind of look at the trajectory in which David's car went from the street into its final point, destination from point a to point b yeah from point a to point p with the both of you working together and plus with the previous 12 from Corey, as you guys are looking at the trajectory of this you notice that when you take into consideration the tire tracks the pinball the collision course the dents on the nearby cars as well as the dents and destruction of David's car itself, you come to the conclusion that it seems that David lost control of his car, but in the brief moments before it ultimately crashed. Because from where, from point A to point B, it seemed that David was in control of his car until he wasn't, and thus ran the collision course to its final destination. Does it look like the uh, car was? As crazy as it may sound, picking up speed. Because as a guy who drives for a living, once you slam on your brakes, even if you lose control, like pinball, 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 unless you are flying, the car would slow down. The damage would be less by the time you reach your final destination. It won't be as bad. That's why I was going to ask, did it look like, almost seemed like the car was picking up speed as it went, like someone was pushing it almost? That is correct. Ah. Yay! So I can't have... not reward that. That's awesome. So we have... What Detective Mac on the job. What do you think it's this time? There's just one more question. <laughs> yes, my good man. Okay, so it looked like it was picking up speed. Even though his feet were on the brakes, which looks like something was pushing it. Would we then, how would we look for the one was pushing it though? Well, it would be like an unseen force kind of thing. You're forgetting. I'm trying to think, is there a way to investigate that? We weren't here, so we didn't see it. And I bet most normal people wouldn't see it either. I was just wondering if there's something maybe left behind we could look for, like, you know, I mean, if this were any other game, be like, can I detect magic to see if there's anything left? (laughs) We do have someone who could do that, but I am not involving my child in this again. And technically, she's still, she is asleep at the moment. Yeah. But was there any investigation we could do? So let me say this. So I'll say these two things because it kind of encompasses everything. As far as what to investigate... 
Remember, you also still have the car itself there. So if that's something you want to do, you can. And then as far as if you want to get additional help, remember, you do have somebody, the three of you just had a conversation with that should anything be needed, they will be willing to help you in whatever way they could. That's a good let's, point. Yeah. Let's, let's say, let me put it this way. Whoever is, we do, we, let me put it this way. No one sees me change my bat. They just think, they, they just think I dropped a crowbar, I grabbed the bat, broke the window. But you know what actually happened. So if this is caused by a rift, everyone's going to think this is just a crazy crash. But if it was caused by a rift, there would be some type of proof it near in the car or someone saw it. If they were awakened. I'm just trying to think, like, you know, it's... I mean, I'm not so much saying, like, something someone saw, but, like... Since we're able to pick up on that stuff, just I'd almost want to say it almost be like doing a survival role in something like is there footprints left or like just something because in my in Matt well, in Max said he's going something pushed this car and he doesn't know exactly you what said, pushed it. you said they pushed the car. There would definitely be a mark on it, especially if it had to keep on pushing so hard after hitting car after car. There'll definitely be. Can I look for fingerprints on the trunk? On the trunk. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, look for handprints or fingerprints on the trunk because, you know. I was just gonna ask that myself. Yeah, well, okay. Different. So here's what I'll yeah. say. We'll do. So I will say that Corey and Mac, you're gonna walk to the car, but we're gonna jump to Friedrich, who is with Quinn. Does at this point, and Quinn finally has it. Is like, all right, all right. Here I have. Okay. Let's see. Victim's name is David Guyen, uh, 32 years old. Oh, this is very interesting. Um, based on everything that I was able to dig up, he seems to be a real estate agent, so he's making some sort of cash. So, And then as Quinn kind of looks up, it's like, which will explain the clothes and the cars that he's driving around because that's not a cheap car. But anyways, yeah, real estate agent, uh, single, as long as I can find, I will need to get further access to go into any, I don't know, his internet history. But yeah, it seems to be some sort of philanthropist, philanthropist, real estate agent, playboy. Huh. Interesting. So, he just doesn't have a costume on. No, not a costume. Since he's a real estate agent, it would explain why he's as Quinn kind of looks at it. You do know that. I mean, you can't really tell because it got a little bit tattered, but I know that design anywhere. That's an Armani suit. <laughs> I don't like those suits. <laughs> That's just it. <laughs> Let's just say family rivalries have been started with those suits. That I will agree with. But if anybody who knows what that is, Armani suits in general aren't cheap. And then that car of his is a very fancy sports car that is also not cheap. So Mr. Guyan has money. That's for sure. 
get this money, actually. I mean... <laughs> Does she have any family or kin? Oh, yeah, I was, that was just going to ask that myself. Yeah, that's going to be my next thing. Uh, based on what I was able to find, Mr. Guyen just seems to be... No, no, no family, no kids. Uh, he's single, so no wife or partner that I can think of. And no familial connections here in Paintown, so it was just him. Well, that sounds familiar. Uh, does. For the listening audience, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> And our college boy. That too. All right. So with that out of the way, let's go back. So Mac, uh, as you take a look at the car, I'm not going to make you roll for an investigate, but with your regular eyes and then with your feral instincts as well, you don't really find any fingerprints on the trunk to kind of indicate that this car was being pushed by some sort of massive force. All right, so there that go there goes that um, idea. So uh, I'll start thinking again. Hold on. Don't forget, as I come back to me, we're riffs. We don't listen to the rules of logic. We don't need to push something from the outside or the inside. We don't have to be close to do it. At least some of us don't. Cool. Alrighty. I have to bring the whole mystical side of the investigation. Oh, of course, of course. (laughs) Love to see it. Alrighty. Uh, What's the license plate on the car? Like what it says? Yeah. It's just your standard license plate. It's just a combination of like letters and numbers of some sort. Though. You do notice that kind of around the. um, Around the license plate, because there's license plate covers that you can get. You notice that there. uh, Seems to be around the edge of the. License plate. The license plate cover is kind of designed uh, in kind of a brown like. Kind of stone like texture. Uh, What seems to be indicative of an ancient civilization, perhaps Babylonian in an aspect, maybe. Gosh. Um, Mac, do you want bad news or good news? Uh, hold on a second. He digs into his pocket for a second, takes out a coin, flips a coin, and goes, uh, The good news first, if you don't mind. Well, someone's gonna be, get rich, or the city's about to get a nice paycheck. And I'm assuming that there's bad news on top of that, then? Oh, yes, definitely. Alright, what's the bad news? Well, as, as he goes closer to me. You're going to have to give this, text this information to Frederick. This was definitely a, 
Well, whoever owned the car is definitely a rift. And if it is Mr. David, well, I don't... It's going to send ripples. Like the bad kind of ripples? Trust me. When, when, a, mil, when a playboy dies, like this type of one, and they're a rift, some ripples are good, some are bad, but there's definitely going to be some ripples. So, uh, just for asking for a friend, uh, is this one of those get prepared shit's about to be coming kind of ripples? The boat be rocking kind of ripples? Uh, until I can get some context with the Rift community, it's always good to be careful. All right, gotcha. Err on the side of caution. Especially from someone from one of the first, you know, Religions on Earth. So we're talking like old school rift, like OG rift, if you will. Uh, not necessarily, but let me put it this way: that's a if I am correct, I could be very wrong. That was a Babylonian. I don't, and there are. They're ancient, but you could say that about all mythical beings and stuff like that. Just, I have a bad feeling. Especially with someone from Babylonian dying. Depending on who it is, that could be worse for us. (laughs) So, like, like, just out of curiosity, I'm sorry, I was mildly distracted. Uh, What was the, uh, which was it? Ba- was it a Babylonian symbols on the license plate cover, it, or middle, middle Eastern? So okay, so let me put it this way: so the design is the design of the uh, the plate is, itself is normal, like combination of letters and numbers, but kind of like the plastic license uh, plate frame that people get for their cars. Sometimes the design looks to be like similar to what uh, ancient Babylonian kind of like. Uh, stone pillars in a sense but you also notice that there are a little bit not too much of it but you notice that at the corners of the each of the um corners of the license plate cover you see what looks to be um and i'm just gonna say it because uh european knowledge just because you're a crew uh they look to be some sort of lettering and symbols uh that look to be written in uh hebrew of some sort, are they are Hebrew, or would it be like uh like Babylonia was in what's called cuneiform? Was it is it like Hebrew Hebrew lettering, or is it like uh? It looks I, closer to yeah. I know what you're saying. It looks closer to Hebrew lettering than anything. All right, but, uh, mm-hmm. I will try to remove said license plate cover for uh, yeah, but, reason. Uh, wait. You just screw these on like those covers, right? Yeah. I just turned I just turned the ba- the baseball bat into a screwdriver and give it to Mac. <laughs> All right, so I will unscrew them, which normally the license plate cover still holds the license plate in place. I'll try to unscrew it, take off the cover, and then put the license plate back without anyone noticing. Uh, do. Hey Friedrich, do you have a special evidence bag? 
I'll say for the sake of it that there is. So I'm assuming you're going to put this in the special evidence bag, as we're calling it now. Well, like the, the chief evidence bag, as I'm going to call it, because the chief is knows about rifts. I'm calling cool. it the chief. So we have like your regular everyday evidence bags, which are like basically just Ziploc bags. And you got the special evidence bags, which are like the Ziploc ones with the double steel to keep out the frost burn. Uh, yeah, more or less. <laughs> oh, yes, I am 100% behind this. Yeah, I am unscrewing that and putting that shit in the special evidence bag. Cool, cool, cool. Was there anything else in that man's wallet? I mean, it did have an ID on it. I mean, it is a wallet if you... Because when Friedrich rolled for it, it was just for the identification. If you want to investigate the wallet, wallet further than that, then you're going to have to roll for investigate for it. I'm I'm willing to roll for that. I want to see where this man may have been, what he likes to do. This this is a great question because... See if there's like any uh, quote-unquote calling cards in his wallet. Yeah. Here I go, rolling again. Can I add way of the trade to this? How do you so how would you use that for this role? Because usually because of my mafia past, I if if someone died, we didn't want them to be connected to what we did. So we would usually manipulate the wallet to to take away or add stuff like this is where they were. And they weren't originally here. Like, oh, here's our rival's business. There are cards in there. Might send the investigators towards them instead of towards us. Okay. So normally, Way of the Trade usually is more of the seedier tactics from your previous lore. But since you're just investigating the wallet and you don't really have that meta information on this victim on hand, I'm not going to let you use that particular tag for this role. I was going to okay. say, I was going to make the argument, he's definitely gone through a wall or two in his time. So, Oh, okay. for sure. Hmm. <laughs> you know what? I will allow it then, if that's the case. Okay. That's a 10 then. Okay. So, on the 10, so, I mean... You also find the ID that Friedrich did, but since you're looking for a little bit more, you kind of go digging through like the bills where normally the money is and things like that. Uh, the wallet doesn't really have too much cash. It does have a couple of like credit cards in it with David uh, Guyen's name all over him. But then as you're looking in the secondary kind of bill pocket in the main compartment of the wallet, you notice that there is a piece of white paper. And as you pull it out to take a closer inspection of it, you see that it is a receipt. Uh, what looks to be from a little restaurant known as Shinobi's Sushi. And mm -hmm, as you take a look at the date, the date of this was actually like about a day ago. Well, we know where he was a day ago, at least. As he shows, as he shows the receipt. Hmm. Interesting man we had here. 
So as you is, say that, oh, go for it. I'm sorry. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. His, is his business card attached to a like a bigger company? Like around here, you have like Remax Realty, blah blah blah, Realtor, or is he like a one man show on his own? Hmm. I'm glad you asked that question because it's going to reveal something interesting too. So making that connections here, I like it. All right. So I mean. Corey still has the wallet, so as you kind of walk over to him, Mac, and he, he shows you guys the receipt, you, Mac, also pick up a little card from his uh, wallet, and on it, it does say uh, David Guyen with his name on it. Underneath it is his title of associate partner, and then kind of smacked on the majority of this business card. Looks to be kind of like a decorative kind of symbol to look like basically like the the rising sun symbol on like the Japanese flag, like the big red circle on Japan's flag is known as the rising sun. So there seems to be a replica of the rising sun, but it's decked out in more kind of like ornate to look like an actual sun with the rays and ripples around it. And that is the symbol. So David Guyen, associate partner at Orimaka Finance. Well, Orimaka Realtors, I should say. Finance Realtors, same thing. <laughs> okay, so I go like, hey, uh, guys, I, I think we should be checking these people out here because uh, if you work there, maybe we can get a little bit of insight on who the fuck he actually was, you know? Definitely. I'm thinking about something. Go yeah. on. Put us into that great mind of yours, you sexy German son of a bitch. <laughs> this guy's driving a very expensive sport car. He's wearing a $3,000 suit. He doesn't carry much cash, so it means all of his, most of his transactions should be through his credit card. Maybe he was dabbling in something? So, and I kind of motion for Quinn to come over closer to us so I don't have to speak very loud. And I want to ask Quinn if he can run down those cards to an account and um, see if this guy has been, you know, maybe he's been, oh, shoot, what's, what's the term for it? Money laundering? No, not money laundering. Um, you want to see if there's a paper trail for his transactions. Yeah, like maybe this guy was uh, spending company money for his own gains. And it says that he's a partner, so maybe there's another partner or partners that got wind of this and decided to cross him off the pay sheet. But he's the one that smells like he shot a gun. Maybe that went the other way other way around. Maybe. Well, how do you explain the gunpowder man on his hands? Because either he, he fired, or he was, and, or he was holding the gun when it went off. And it only takes one shot to get the residue on your hand, so who knows, maybe it was just... A random shot that he threw off to try to get away. Maybe it was a defensive shot. 
I'm just trying to explore some, some Dave, possibilities. I'm just... Dave, you found a gun in the car or on the body? Or did uh, I just, or did we never just search for one? Uh, do you have like super sized like latex gloves, Friedrich, that uh, Mac could wear to help look for stuff and not leave fingerprints? They should have I, some in the ambo. I mean, they carry all kinds of sizes of gloves. All right, so we have size ginormous. He's going to help look around so he doesn't leave fingerprints. <laughs> So I'll say as you go and grab some from the ambulance, you also notice that pulling up from across the crime scene is a familiar, uh, crazy looking uh, gentleman dressed in a white lab coat and some frizzled like salt and pepper gray hair coming out with uh, <laughs> his whole entire getup. And you see this as Dr. Winthrop. The coroner you guys talked to about the previous case as he makes his way over and kind of just makes his way <laughs> makes his way over to the body. Winthrop, I think, I think you left the morgue. Holy <laughs> fuck, your response time is fucking unbelievable. I don't know how long we've been here, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> Listen, anytime there's a dead body, I usually get notified of it right away and plus you could thank officer parker for calling me because uh things have kind of escalated a little bit it seems now if you excuse me and he kind of puts now normally some people wear glasses some people like wear sunglasses depending if it's sunny outside dr winthrop has like aviator glasses like aviator goggles on and kind of puts it on time to get to work <laughs> so no he walks over are those like rift like goggles or are those everyday goggles? Uh, they're everyday goggles, but if you remember too, based on your interaction with him, you three found out that Dr. Winthrop is a rift himself. He is the rift of Frankenstein. Right, that's why I asked. Yeah. Like, are those uh -huh. like everyone can see this guy just drop down giant fucking aviator goggles and goes, let's do this shit, or are they like just us seeing that happen? Well, let me put it this way. If you putting on avia goggles is normal for some people. It's when we do the actual like magical thing that normal people can't see what we do, like you turning into a beast. Everyone might see you as a hairy man, but no one sees you as the actual beast that you are. Hey, they watch it. They no, they <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, like, it's not normal for a man to be wearing aviator goggles at any time in any place. Dr. Yeah, Winthrop is a little weird. <laughs> yeah. But as you kind of make this revelation, Quinn kind of just calls you three over. It's like, you guys, I did some further investigation into our victim here, and I found some very interesting things that you're going to want to hear. Hey.